Amen. It's great to see you. Who's ready for Christmas? Tiago is. Some of you guys are. I'm not really there yet. I can remember when I was a kid, and I would think about Christmas, and it seemed like forever. In fact, when I was a kid, if it was still three weeks to go, that would be the slowest, longest three weeks, you know, anticipating the, the day that I would get my toys and all that type of stuff. As an adult, I feel like, didn't we just do this a couple months ago? I mean, we're, we're, we're doing a Christmas series again. I, I, it, it just feels like it just happened. It's sometimes hard to get prepared and ready for it because it just goes by so fast and sneaks up on you so fast. We're on a series called The Purpose of Christmas. I think there's two types of attitudes when it comes to Christmas. There's a, can I survive this month? And then there's a celebrate it. And I really am, I tend to be on the side of, can I survive this month? I think I've talked before about how during this season, I already have my work schedule. And then because I help coach at the high school, this is the high school season for wrestling. It's the same as basketball, the same season. And I add that on to my schedule, which is already packed. And it's really hard when you have a three-year-old and an infant at home. So then all that's going on. And then to go buy presents and everything. Instead of Christmas being a time of joy, it's a time of tension, at least in my situation. If I struggle with it in this way, I'm assuming that other people do as well. There's time of tension. It's a time of stress. It's a time of sometimes having to spend money that you really don't have. Or, you know, in a busy schedule, you have to travel over here. You have to see the in-laws. You have to fight through crowded malls. Yeah, you can't find parking. And sometimes it's not the joy that I think of when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I always celebrated Christmas. It was a great, exciting time. But as an adult, it's really not the same. There's too much other things that distract me from it. And instead of celebrating, I know sometimes I'm just trying to survive the season. So if I struggle with that, maybe you struggle with that. So I wanted to talk about focus, really. How can I get my, keep my focus on Jesus, what it's really all, all about? Because it's not about parties, even though the parties are good. It's not about buying presents, even though that's good. But it's really about Jesus and why he came. And if I keep my focus on that, I can celebrate. Because there's plenty of things to celebrate about what he did and why he came. Even in a busy season, even in hectic life, in a non-Christmas time, if I keep my eyes focused on what Jesus is about, I can celebrate those days. Rick Warren wrote a book called The Purpose of Christmas, and he wrote this in there. Ironically, at most Christmas parties, the person whose birthday you're supposed to be celebrating is completely ignored. He's never even mentioned. Although Jesus is the reason for the season, he's often overlooked or merely mentioned along with Rudolph, Frosty the Snowman, Santa Claus the Grinch, the elves, and a long list of celebrated fictional characters. And that's true, isn't it? You know, sometimes he's, he's lost in the mix of all these other things. In this season, it's too easy for us to lose focus of what it's all about. There's so many things going on, good things. You know, going to see the kids play. These are good things, but they don't always keep your focus on what it's really about. The purpose of Christmas is we're celebrating that God himself, which blows my mind, 
God himself came to earth as a baby. As a baby. If I picture God coming to earth as a man, I picture his second coming in the Bible where he comes down on a horse like a warrior and like a king. Everybody's saying, the king's here. The king's coming. Everybody's like wowed. And you see this great man and all of his majesty coming down. That's a God I can understand coming down to earth as a man. But he doesn't do that. He comes as a baby. And, you know, it's, it's the complete opposite of what I would expect. So here comes this baby. And why does he come? To die for my sins is his ultimate purpose. So that I can be forgiven. He comes so that someday I can go to heaven. He comes so that I can grow spiritually. You know, he, he comes so that his Holy Spirit can live in my life and change me. And when I focus on that, I can celebrate those things. That's something that I can celebrate on Christmas, why he came. But I can celebrate that all the time. When I focus on Christ, I have a celebrated heart. No matter what the season is, no matter if it's summer, winter, spring, or fall, when I'm focused on what Christ is about, there's a reason to celebrate. When I get my eyes off of Christ, there's a lot of distraction throughout the year not to celebrate God, not to celebrate Christ. I want to read the Christmas story. In Luke 2, 8 through 20, it says, That night some shepherds were in the fields outside the village, guarding their flocks of sheep. These are shepherds outside just doing normal stuff. Maybe it's pretty boring. Just hanging out, your job is to keep an eye on the sheep. Don't lose them. Don't let the wolves get them. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Can you imagine that? Like you're sitting there, and then angels appear, and they're surrounding you, and, and it says surrounded by their glory, whatever that means. And it's like bright and exciting, and you're thinking like, what's this? Well, it says they were terribly frightened. I guess you would be. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news of great joy for everyone. I can imagine you're sitting there in this, you know, like somehow the nighttime is just opening up and there's light and there's angels. And never seeing an angel before, I don't know exactly what that would look like, but it's, it's, it scared them to death. They thought they were going to die somehow. And he says, don't be frightened. I've got good news of great joy for you. The Savior, yes, the Messiah. The Messiah means anointed one. The Jewish people had been waiting for the Messiah to come. Yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born tonight in Bethlehem, the city of David. That's where it's said in the Bible he's going to be born. This is how you will recognize him. So the king has been born from the line of David. He's supposed to be the greatest king ever, the anointed one, the one that we're going to follow. Where are we going to find this king? You'll find the baby lying in a manger. You know, you'll find him in a feeding trough in the barn. What? That's ridiculous. Like, you're telling me that this great king that we've been waiting for for year after year after year, waiting to worship him, it's God coming to earth in flesh. He's going to be in a barn lying in the manger in a feeding trough wrapped, in snu- uh, wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, come, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see the wonderful thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they ran to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. Like, he really is in a manger. This is going to be the leader of the world. This is going to be the the child that's going to come up and change the whole world. The world would never be the same because of this baby. Then the shepherds told everyone what what had happened. 
and what the angel had said to them about this child. The shepherds went back to their fields and flocks glorifying and praising God. There was something about an encounter with Jesus, even though he was a baby. There was something about an encounter with Jesus that did something within their soul that caused them to go out praising God, glorifying God. I think we remember that. I, remember, I think we remember our first encounter with Jesus, the first time that you really understood that you're forgiven, that you have a new start, that you're going to heaven. And the very first time that you really get that, that joy, that excitement that you have, like never before. But sometimes as time goes on, we get busy at work, we get busy doing good things, but we kind of lose focus. And the joy's not there like it used to be. The excitement's gone. We're not going around praising God about what's happening because our eyes are no longer on this baby that came to earth to take care of my sin problem, to forgive me, to bring me to heaven, to change my life and help me grow. Our eyes aren't on that. Our eyes are on work. Our eyes are on, you know, shopping. Our eyes are on all the things that you do on Christmas, but all the things that you do throughout the year. And we lose focus and we lose our joy. We don't have that excitement that we used to have. The problem is we forget. It's humans, we have this history of forgetting. You read it in the Bible. You see it clearly there. In the Bible where the people are following God and God's with them. And then for whatever reason, they start following a false idol. And they leave God. And they forget about all the things God had done in the past. And then life gets really miserable for them. And finally they say, what happened to the good old days? Why has our life gotten so bad? And then they say, because in the good old days, we used to worship God. So then they turn back to God, and their life turns around, and then things are going great, and what happens? They start following another idol. They quit worshiping God. They start doing other things, and then their life goes downhill. But I don't see us that much different. We can have a great experience with God, even in a week. We can come and have a great worship experience with God, and by Tuesday, not even think about God. I don't, I don't think that we're even, we're, I look at them and I criticize them and think like, how could they be so back and forth and back and forth? And I've realized why and how they could do it. Because they're just like me. That's how they could do it. They're just like me. They can have a great experience with God and a week later be in a new problem and be wondering what they're going to do to get out of it and lose trust and faith in God. They're just like me. We forget. We don't keep our eyes focused on him. So, one example, the people, the, the Red Sea had been parted. They walked across on dry land. It saved them from their enemies. Great miracle. God brought them water in the middle of the desert through a miracle. Just all these things were happening. They're seeing God's movement. Then God sends Moses up to the mountain to speak to him for 40 days. And after seeing all those great things, and without their leader there for just 40 days, they decide to build a golden calf and some other idols, and start worshiping them and saying, these are the gods that brought us out of Egypt. How can that happen? You know, after the miracles that had happened and everything they had experienced, how could they so easily, in 40 days, forget the truth and buy into something else? How is it that Christians, how is it that Christians, you know what the Bible says, and you can start accepting what the culture teaches as being okay and correct. When you know the Bible says something different. 
You know the truth. How is it that we can forget or compromise? Because that's what they were doing. All the other cultures around us, they have golden statues that are beautiful, and that's who they worship. Why can't we have something like that? I know that God says just worship him without those. Just worship him. But they all do it, and it's beautiful. And I want to be like the world around me. So the culture around me influences the way I believe, the way I think, what I say is okay and not okay, instead of God's word. I see it all the time with Christians. I expect that from people in the world. But it's with Christians. Why? Because we do the same thing that these guys do. We compromise what God says to us in order to fit in with the world. And we'll come up with excuses for why we do it. Exodus 22 says, Then the Lord told Moses, Quick, go down the mountain. The people you brought from Egypt have defiled themselves. They have already turned from the way I commanded them to live. They have made an idol shaped like a calf, and they have worshipped and sacrificed to it. They were saying, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. They're, they just became like the world. They, they started following what everybody else is doing. But even the people that lived with Jesus, Jesus had 12 disciples, his best friends. They lived with him for three years. They would do the same thing. They forget. Jesus goes and he, there's in a situation, they're in a situation where there's no food and there's a big crowd. So he takes like a few fish and a few loaves of bread and he starts breaking them and feeding the people. And he feeds over 5,000. And they have 12 baskets of leftovers. You know, something, well, then it happens again. They don't have enough food and there's a different crowd, 4,000 people. He does the same thing with a few loaves and fish. He does the same thing, and he feeds those 4,000 people. Okay, then they're in another crowd, and Jesus says to them, okay, let's feed these people. And you know what they say? We don't have enough food. What in the world are they thinking? Not once, but twice. And, they, and their response is, how are we going to do it, God? We don't have, Jesus, we don't have enough food. And here's what Jesus says in Matthew. His first words are, don't you remember? <laughs> like, come on. Don't you remember? And by the way, it wasn't like this miracle of feeding, you know, 8,000 people happened 40 years ago. And then we did it again 12 years ago. I mean, he only lived with them for three years. It was within that span. And this isn't the end of that three years. So it's got to be recent, you know. He says, don't you remember the 5,000 I fed with five loaves and the baskets of food that were left over? Don't you remember the 4,000 I fed with seven loaves with baskets of food left over? Don't you remember? Now, come on. How could you even ask that question? Don't you remember? I did it here. I did it here. And now you're asking how are we going to do it? Don't you remember? And I can look at them and think, what's wrong with them? There's only one problem. I do the same thing. I do the same thing. I'll see God at work and blessing and doing something great. And later on, I get in a problem and I start thinking like, oh, you know, how am I going to get help? And God is saying, don't you remember? Didn't I help you last time? Didn't I help you the time before? Don't you remember? Look at me. Trust me. 
Rely on me. Ask me for help. Don't you remember? And it's so easy for me to forget. I hate to admit that. But I know if I struggle with remembering God's activity in my life, I'm guessing you, maybe you do too. Maybe you do too. And you're doing great, and God gets you out of this predicament that you're in, and you think, wow, God's so good. And then the next predicament you get in, you start to think, what am I going to do? And, and he's saying, don't you remember? It's so easy for us to do, do the same thing. Why? Why do I want to focus on Jesus? Why do I want to remember him? Well, I don't have to pay for my sins. I want to remember that. I want to remember that through his power in me, the Holy Spirit in me, I have a better life. I can resist temptation stronger. There's a lot of ways that betters my life. I want to remember that I'm going to go to heaven. There are so many reasons to celebrate Christmas and life throughout the whole year, not just Christmas time. We focus on it when he's a baby, but there's so many times. In the Old Testament, he told them to wear clothes. It's kind of, it sounds weird to me, but he said at the bottom of their garments, they would have these tassels. And they said, I want you to put tassels at the bottom of your garment so that way every time you see them, it reminds you that I'll provide, obey me. So, everybody, so the idea is every morning when you put your clothes on, you see those tassels. Okay, God provides, obey him. When you're walking down the street, I see your tassels, I see your tassels. Every time you see the tassels, I'm supposed to remember, God provides, you know. So don't worry. We're not going to start a tassel clothing ministry. <laughs> okay. But the point is, God knew that we're the type of people that we need constant reminders or we lose faith or we just forget. We need it constantly in front of us. We did this one time in the church, but I got it from somebody else that said they, they had a gold dollar and they keep it in their pocket, and every time they reach in their pocket for something, and they fill it, they take it out, and they, okay, this is to remind me that God provides, and I'm going to obey him. And every time they empty their pockets out at nighttime, they see it, and they say that to themselves. Every time they put it in, they say that. And it's sort of the same type of thing. It was his way of having that constant reminder. Do you know the best way to have a constant reminder? That's a good thing. But you know the best way to have a constant reminder is a daily quiet time. Where every day you set aside time just to pray and read the Bible. It could be five minutes, seven minutes. It doesn't matter how long it is. The most important thing is that it's a habit. If I get in the habit of every day, no matter what, I find time to pray and open my Bible and read something. If I get in that habit, I'm going to remember that God provides. I'm going to remember to obey Him. I'm not going to remember it if I just come on Sunday morning. I need more than that. I need some sort of daily encounter with God. Maybe you have Sunday covered, and maybe you have a midweek Bible study that you go to, but what about all those other days? You know, you need something every day to remind you, you know, God provides. So in Numbers, it says this, the tassels will remind you of the commands of the Lord and that you are to obey com the commands instead of following your own desires and going your own way as you are prone to do. Isn't that funny? You wear these, so they're a reminder to obey because so that you won't do what you usually do, which is to forget about God and just do your own thing. Apparently, we need some sort of reminder. So I need to find a way to remind myself of what God's done. So 
Let's look at what we want to remember about God during Christmas time, but just during life in general. When Jesus came as a baby, when God came to earth as a baby, what does that represent? First of all, that my past is forgiven. That's, some, that's a reason to celebrate. So here I am, let's say, I'm running to get uh, pr- Christmas presents. I'm fighting through the mall and doing everything, and I don't really have enough time and I feel tension. What do I need to really be focusing on? It's not about these things. It's about Jesus. It's about God came to earth as a baby to forgive me. If I focus on I'm forgiven, I can celebrate. If I focus on did I buy the right gifts, I'm in tension. What do I put my mind on? I still might be living life. I still might be busy. But no matter how busy you are, where, where, where are you focusing your mind? You can be super busy, but you keep your mind focused on I'm forgiven. This is a season that I celebrate that Jesus came to forgive me of my sins. No matter how busy I am, I choose to focus my mind there. It's what are you going to get your mind on? What are you going to focus on? My sins are wiped away. No past is too difficult for God to forgive. I hear people say things like, Jimmy, you don't understand what I've done. I don't understand what you've done. I don't know what you've done. But that doesn't matter. I know what he's done. I know that God came to earth and died on the cross for you. It doesn't matter if I understand what you've done, as long as I understand what he's done. He died on the cross. If God coming to earth and dying for you isn't good enough, then nothing's going to be good enough. If God's saying, I'm going to pay off the penalty of your sins, isn't good enough, then nothing's going to be good enough. God himself died to pay off the penalty of your sins. So you're forgiven. You don't have to carry that guilt. You are forgiven. Now, when I say you don't have to carry that guilt, I'm not saying that there's no consequences. We do things and there's negative consequences. But when you get right with God and you seek forgiveness, you can let it go. It doesn't mean the consequences are gone, but that guilt, you don't have to hang on to the guilt. Jesus was born on Christmas Day to celebrate your forgiveness. That's part of it. So that you could celebrate, I'm forgiven. In Mark 2.17 it says, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus came for us that mess up, for sinners. That's why he was born. It's for you and I. So someone might say, well, I don't think I'm that bad of a person. I'm not such a sinner. It depends on who you compare yourself to. You know, if I want to, I can compare myself to a lot of people and come out feeling like, wow, I'm a saint. Or I can compare myself to some saints and I can come out feeling pretty bad. You know, it's, it's who you're comparing yourself to. We all sin. We all need a Savior. We all need help. In Romans 4, 7, and 8, it says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven. There's a joy that comes in when you find out, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. That brings joy in your life. So in the midst of a busy season... I can have joy in my life because I'm remembering I'm forgiven. It says, whose sins are put out of sight. There's a joy when I recognize that God has put my sins out of sight, even though I might have done something and people are shoving it in my face every day, saying, you did this and you did that. What joy is there to find out in a world that might do that to you that God's put it out of his sight? That's remarkable. Then he says, yes, what joy for those whose sin is no longer counted against them by the Lord. So even though other people might be counting 
against you. Well, you did this and you did that. It's no longer counted against you by the Lord in a world that won't let it go. You know what that says? That gives me joy. Praise God that God forgives me in a world that can be so unforgiving. Praise God. I can celebrate that. I can celebrate that. And if I remember that on Christmas, during the Christmas season, I can celebrate the tension of a Christmas season. And if I focus on Jesus, I can celebrate that all year long. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, For he has rescued us from the one who rules in the kingdom of darkness. And he has brought us into the kingdom of our dear son. God has purchased our freedom. So he paid for it with his blood and has forgiven all our sins. His own blood. Him dying on the cross for us. And he's forgiven us all of our sins. We always say salvation's a free gift. But it doesn't mean it costs nothing. It costs me nothing. Jesus died for it. It was a major cost. It's the most expensive free gift you could ever imagine. It's free for you, but it was, high. It was very costly because God was willing to die on the cross to say, I'm going to pay off the penalty from you so you're forgiven. I can celebrate Christmas, and I can celebrate the whole year when my eyes are on Jesus. The second thing is, when your eyes are on Jesus, you find out that God's Spirit is in me. It's funny how scary movies... You know, they like to get into this thing where, you know, someone gets demon-possessed and demons live in them and they, you know, do all these crazy things. Well, isn't it crazy what the Bible just says? The Bible says when you give your heart to the Lord, He invades your life. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in you. So you can say, wow, I'm Holy Ghost-possessed. I'm Holy Spirit-possessed. Because that's what it means. It's, it's the, let me put it this way. There's a lot more people in this world that are possessed by the Holy Spirit of God than possessed by demons. You know, when you give your life to the Lord, Jesus comes into your life, His Holy Spirit. He comes into you. He changes you. He gives you a new power. Romans 8, 11 says, When God lives and breathes in you, and He does as surely as He did in Jesus... You are delivered from that dead life with his spirit living in you. So wait, it's not a force around me. It's a person living in me, Jesus Christ, but it's his Holy Spirit. In case you don't know, the Holy Trinity, you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. My best description of that is water. You have ice, you have liquid water, you have steam. It's all H2O. But we experience it in three different ways. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's all one God, but we experience it in three different ways. We experience him in three different ways. And one of the ways that you experience God is he lives in you. His Holy Spirit comes in you. And you can celebrate that. So I've got the power, the same power that lived inside Jesus comes inside me. Wow. Wow. That means I can grow and God can use my life for great things. The moment I put my faith in him, his spirit moved in. He invaded my life. And now I belong to him. This is why you never have to have insecurity about what happens when I die. Am I going to go to heaven or not? Think about it. If God lives inside you, is there any chance whatsoever that you could go to hell? If God lives inside you, 
Is there any chance you could go to hell? Come on, that would be sending God to hell, right? That's why as a Christian, you can be totally secure in your salvation, and it has nothing to do with being like, I know I'm going to heaven because look at how great I am. It has nothing to do with that. It's like, I know I'm going to heaven because God lives in me. When I put my faith in him, he came in. I know I'm going to heaven. And then you have security. Every Christian should know without a doubt that they're going to heaven and it has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with them. A Christian should never fear death. I know where I'm going. It's a guarantee I'm going to heaven. Now, when I say fear death, you might fear the pain of death. That's a different issue. Like, I don't fear death. I know I'm going to heaven, and I know it's not because I'm great. I know it's because he died on the cross for my sins, and he lives in me because once I put my faith in him, the Bible tells me he came in, and I know he's changed my life. And there's evidence for the Spirit in your life because it says you increase in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And you say, well, I can see that evidence of God's, it calls out the fruit of the Spirit. I can see that fruit growing in my life. That's the evidence so you can see, well, God's really been changing me. He's really been changing me, not by my own effort, but he just changes you. The moment you let him in, he, change, he starts changing your life. So I know without a doubt I'm going to heaven, and it's not because I think I'm great or good. It's just because he came into me. I'm his. It's because of what he did. You know, I know I'm never good enough to reach God, right? But he's good enough to reach me. And that's what my faith is. That's why, as a Christian, you never have to worry, have fear of death. What you might fear is the pain of death. You know, if somebody comes up with a gun, I might think, oh, no, this might hurt. Right? The pain of death's different. And if you fear pain, you're just alive. Right? You're just human. But uh, you don't have to fear, like, where am I going to go? You're, when you're in God's hands, you're in good hands. That's why you can live a secure life. If you're insecure about your, those type of things, that's unhealthy. It's, it's unbiblical. You never have to be insecure about those things. You should be 100% secure of your salvation because of what he did on the cross for you, because of what happened on Christmas Day when he came. He came so that you could have the security of salvation. A third thing, he came so that you'd have a place in heaven. This baby, when I focus on that, when I focus on Christmas is about Jesus coming so that through what he did, I can go to heaven. I can celebrate. Even if I'm busy and running around doing this, that I can celebrate if I know I'm going to heaven. If I'm focused on, you know, oh, how am I going to make it to this party and that party and not hurt their feelings because I can't make it to the third one? Oh, how? if I focus on that, I'm not going to celebrate. If I focus on because of Christmas Day, I'm going to heaven, I can celebrate. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's number three, I have a place in heaven. If you're a follower of Jesus, there's a place for you. You know, because death just kicks open the door to eternity. It's not the end. It's just the end of my time here. This is why at my funeral, I want to have a celebration party. I loved that service I went to. It was so celebrative. It was like, I want something like that. When I pass away, I want a party. I went to a party, and it was wonderful. If I, when I pass away, I want a party. You know, because it's a celebration of me going to that next step. That next step. You know, I want there to be laughter and stories told. Look at John 5, 24. I assure you, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. Why would he say, I assure you? 
This is Jesus' words. And Jesus is saying, I'm giving you assurance. I assure you, I promise you that those who listen and really believe, you put your faith in him, you have eternal life. I promise you, you have eternal life. He wants you to know without a doubt. Then he says, they will never be condemned for their sins. Never. Never condemned for your sins. You say, well, I did this, I did that. If you put your faith in Jesus, you repent. God, I forgive me. I'm giving my life to you. You're not condemned. You have consequences here on earth for things you do. But God, that's a forgiveness. You know what forgiveness means? Forgiveness means forgiveness. It means it's forgiven. But they have already passed from death into life. Already. What he's saying is, don't have this idea. Don't you start thinking. This is Jesus speaking, okay? And he's saying, don't you start thinking that I don't know if I'm going to heaven. I don't know if I'm going to heaven. And then I'll die and find out if I pass from death to life. He says this. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already. These people are alive. It's us. Like it's right now. We're alive. They have already passed from death into life. It's already done. What's he saying? Like, well, he's telling you, you have a place in heaven. It's a guarantee. It's there. It's for you. Romans 5.21 says, so just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful kindness rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I can celebrate Christmas. Jesus came. I can celebrate because I'm going to heaven. And I know it. I can celebrate. So Jesus came, so I said, wow, I can celebrate. My sins are forgiven. You know, even if there wasn't a heaven... Just the fact, like, we, we blow it sometimes and have the guilt removed. Like, I don't have to go on feeling guilty all the time. It would give me a better life on earth. But it's better than that. They said, no, I, I've got something more than that. You don't have to go around guilty anymore. Wow. I, I don't have to carry all that guilt anymore. So I can start having a happier life. Then he says, I'm going to allow my spirit to live in you. And when my spirit lives in you, I'm going to give you power to overcome things that you couldn't overcome before. And you start seeing your life change. And you think like, wow, this is great. And then he said, but no, I've got more for you. And you're going to live with me in heaven forever. It, it, it's better and better. And then the fourth thing that Christmas does for us when Jesus came is I can continue to grow. I don't have to stay the same. I can continue to grow with the power of God's spirit working in me. I can grow and mature and be a I can really become a better and better and better and better person. I can. He gives a story of a farmer who's sowing seeds. And here's what he says. He's planting seeds. He says, as he scattered the seed, some of it fell on the road and birds ate it. That's 25% of it, let's say, according to the story. Some fell on the gravel. It sprouted quickly, but then it put down roots. So when the sun came up, it withered just as quickly. So those are, seeds are all wasted. Some fell in the weeds. As it came up, it was strangled by the weeds, so those seeds are all wasted. Some fell on good soil and produced a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. The seed is referring to God's word. And some of it plant, the, the, the soil is your heart. It says some of God's word landed on the good soil. What would the good soil be? Those who are willing to receive it. Some people hear God's word and they just forget about it. Like the 
birds take it away. Some people, they receive it at the beginning, but the world, they're, they're so in the world and this and that, that they never allow God to really have their life. You know what I mean? They, they, oh, this is good, this is good, but they never give their life to it. Because they're, they're so busy doing everything else, they don't really have time for God. And they, they allow it to choke out their life. Some of it starts good, but when the heat comes, they fizzle out. You know, a lot of people, when the heat comes, like, oh, God sounds good, because they think that that means that it's, they're going to have an easier life. It doesn't work that way. You give your life to the Lord, sometimes your life doesn't get easier at all. Sometimes it can even get worse. You could lose a job because if you have a certain amount of integrity and you're not willing to do something that you know is wrong, you could lose your job by doing the right thing and your family could suffer for four months or five months or six months while you're trying to get a new job. And you're saying, well, what good did my faith in God do me there? I did the right thing and I'm suffering. But it says a lot of people, when the heat comes, they fizzle out. What does that mean? They've never, they've never let the seed in. They've never really taken it in. But good soil are the people that say, okay, God, I'm yours. And you actually receive the seed. And what happens? It grows and grows. How did it word it? Beyond his wildest dreams. If I'm a farmer and I'm growing corn, do you know what I want it to do? I want it to grow beyond my wildest dreams. If I grow wheat, I want it to grow beyond my wildest dreams. That's my livelihood, right? You want it to go as great as possible. And that's what God is saying. You can grow beyond. If you have a heart that will receive the word of God, you can grow beyond your wildest dreams. You say, well, I've always had an anger problem. I can never change. Say, so if you have a sensitive heart to God's word, you can grow beyond your wildest dreams. I've always struggled with lust and pornography, and I just can't get it out of my life. If you allow God, if you have a heart sensitive to God, you can grow beyond your wildest dreams. You know, I always have this drinking problem. I hide it from people, but I'm always struggling. You can grow beyond your wildest dreams. You know, I can't seem to keep a relationship. You know, I've got some character issues, but I, if I haven't changed by now, I'm never going to change. You can grow beyond your wildest dreams. I praise God that Jesus came to earth so that I can grow beyond my wildest dreams. I don't have to stay the same. I don't have to stay the same. I can produce, he can produce a crop in me that grows beyond my wildest dreams. Can you imagine, not just at Christmas time, but can you imagine if all the time we kept our eyes on Jesus and we remember all the time like, man, I'm happy inside because I'm forgiven. And we don't forget it. We really remember it because we're keeping our eyes focused on Jesus. Can you imagine if we're keeping our eyes on Jesus, that all the time we're re realizing God's in me. That changes the way you live. God's inside me. Can you imagine if you kept your eyes focused on Jesus so all the time you can be happy and have joy because you know you're going to heaven. You're going to heaven. Wow, I'm going to go to heaven. Can you imagine if you keep your eyes on Jesus that no matter what's going on in your life because you keep your eyes focused on Jesus, you know you know. I can grow beyond my wildest dreams. And you might have some pretty wild dreams of how great you can grow. And he's saying, I can top that. I can top that. What would our life be with? Like, I believe 
it'd be a lot richer. I'm not talking about financially, but it, could, it might be financially richer too. I would be a lot stronger. My struggles would be lighter. When I'm struggling with things, because you're going to struggle through things, but my struggles get lighter when I get my eyes on Jesus. My perspective gets brighter when I get my eyes on Jesus. My attitude gets more positive when my eyes are on Jesus. My purpose in life is clear when my eyes are on Jesus. My relationships are deeper when my eyes are on Jesus. When my eyes are on Jesus, when I stay focused on what he's about, my life is better, not just in Christmas, but throughout the year. It becomes a better life. That joy that we talk about on Christmas, it can be every day. It can be every day when you keep your eyes focused on the reason for the season. Because he really is the reason for every season. Let's pray. God, I pray for those here who are maybe like me. We struggle with that survival mode during times like Christmas. We're already busy and it just adds more to us. And Lord, I pray that we'll be able to keep our eyes on you, Lord. But not just now, but all the time. That we make it a daily habit to spend time with you so our eyes can be focused on you. Lord, that on a regular basis, we recognize that we're forgiven. And it gives us joy to celebrate throughout our year. Lord, on a regular basis, we celebrate that you're living in us and giving us power to change and to do what you want us to do. And Lord, that throughout the year, we're thankful and we're celebrating the fact that we get to go to heaven. It's something worth celebrating. And Lord, throughout the year, we know that we can grow beyond our wildest dreams. With your help, we can grow beyond our wildest dreams, Lord. We thank you for those things. We thank you that we can celebrate you on Christmas and on every day of the year. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.